0: Just another night for Supernatural Girls. Real stories, real answers to life's biggest supernatural mysteries. And now for another exciting interview with
1: paranormal experts from this world and others. Here's your host, paranormal researcher Patricia Baker. On the one, the only,
2: Supernatural
1: Girls.
3: Welcome, everyone, to another exciting episode of Supernatural Girls Radio. I am your host, Patricia Baker, and I am here with some very special people tonight. First of all, my excellent co-host, numerologist Patricia Kirkman, PK. And how are you doing tonight, PK? Absolutely fabulous, we're getting more rain. I love it.: Oh, in Tucson, that is a wonderful thing. Well, good. Well, mm-hmm. welcoming you to the show, and now we have a very special co-host who's joining us, and that is our dear friend, Becky Andreasen. Hi, Becky.: Hi, Patricia and Patricia.: Hello, darling. Hi. Good having you
4: with
1: us. Yes. Wonderful. I'm happy to be here tonight. I'm excited.
3: Oh, yes. Well, this is your thing. I mean, you are our very own UFO abductee. And as everybody knows in the audience... We have a really terrific and unusual show tonight. We have with us Helen Littrell, who is the author of Rachel's Eyes." Now, this is a strange but true case of a human. Alien hybrid. This is going to be fantastic. We have a few things to talk about first before we bring Helen onto the show. So let's start, first of all, with our numbers. PK, what do we got going on for tomorrow?
4: Well, we're in a brand new month, which deals with family, relationships, wanting everything perfect, alternative medicines, which is a hot number right now, and paying attention to alternative dieting meaning choice of foods, etc., which is excellent. And tomorrow is an eight-day, so we're going to really feel like we're in charge of what we're doing. That's going to be a nice change. The most important part to think about for this month is, as much as we want everything perfect, we do need to allow others to make their own choices. Otherwise, we're going to be considered meddlers, and we don't want that one.
3: No, no meddling for us. Uh To each his own, right? That's right. Well, it sounds like pretty good energy coming in tomorrow for all of us. It's great. Excellent. Well, we also have a little bit of paranormal news, and this ties in with our show tonight. There is a neurologist, Dr. Michael B. Russo, in Hawaii. And he was using a special electroencephalograph machine, a dense array encephalograph machine, with some of his patients who were complaining of headaches and things like that. But they also shared a similar bond here. They all felt they had been abducted by extraterrestrials. So he started measuring their brainwaves. And what he found was startling. He actually found there were patterns across these patients. In the parietal lobe, it showed abnormalities. In, abnormalities, excuse me, in brainwave activity. Now, this is the first I have heard that any science has backed up that there's something going on with abductees' brains. So, this is a very new subject that's coming up, and. It's, I think, wonderful for the abductees who have been afraid that they're all alone in this, that they're hallucinating or imaginary. This is all their imagination. Now they're finding out through this doctor that there is a change in their electrical brainwave activity. And again, across the board, all of the alien abductee patients are very similar. And they're also similar to people who have had traumatic brain injury, which is also interesting. So it's not so good, but it is for abductees, I think. And Becky, you'll have to join in on this one. I think it's a good thing to know that there really is something going on with brainwaves with abductees.
1: Yes, I, I think it's wonderful because that even shows the ETs tinkering with the body. I mean, it shows that science is finally stepping in and taking a step up and proving something. And this could even go further. This could really even go further. And it would be amazing to be able to study that and and have people come forward and find out, you know, the different degrees of the brain waves, and uh, you know, like someone who has been abducted all their life, or someone who has just recently been abducted, or someone who may not even know they have been and find out they have this is fascinating
3: I love it yes it. it really is exciting news, and again, more validation for people like you who've had these experiences throughout your whole life, and it's again it's it's in a way it's comforting, I think, for yes. abductees to have this information well. Tonight, I promised that I was going to give new information to our audience, to all of our listeners, about aliens among us. Now, not only do we have Helen Latrell on the show tonight, which is going to be a rip-roaring show. I can't wait to get her on. But I did want to share with everybody that many years ago, I worked with a clinical psychologist who had top clearance in different levels of security, worked with the CIA, the FBI, all the alphabet agencies. And one day, he confided in me that, in fact, there were aliens living among us. Now, he told me that he was shown photographs of these aliens, and he said many of them, and this is the part that really shocked him, you couldn't tell them apart from us. They looked completely human. And... He was told at that time by these people in the military that a lot of them had integrated themselves to our own neighborhoods. And again, we would never know that they were not from here. Now, that clinical psychologist, I'm going to tell you who it was because he's passed away. And again, he was a dear friend of mine, and we worked closely together on certain projects. His name was Bill Schul. Bill wrote a number of books about psychic events and also the pyramids. But his background was clinical psychology. And when he told me this, I, I remember the moment that he shared this with me. And he told me in great detail about all the photographs that he had been shown. Now, he also said he saw a number of races that did not look human. And they were also here on the planet. Some of them were very tall. Some of them were reptilian. So again, we've heard these things over and over again from a number of our guests. But this is the first time that I've been on the radio with all of you guys, my friends, my audience members, all of our listeners, to share this with you. This is what Dr. Schull had to say. So I'm sharing it with you tonight. And if you don't think this stuff is real, you better think again. It is. In the meantime, we are going to introduce our guest, Helen Luttrell. Now, Helen has had a remarkable experience with an alien hybrid, and she is going to join us in a minute. I really, we all highly recommend her book, which is called Rachel's Eyes. That's and you. Helen, welcome to Supernatural Girls.
5: Yes, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's a real yeah. pleasure to be on your program.
3: Well, wow, thank you for coming on our show. I mean, you were living what you thought was a very kind of a normal life. You were in an unhappy marriage, and but you did have your daughter at home, Marissa, and she was in junior college, and she moved out to start yes. her life at college, and her roommate was this very unusual person. And my goodness, it was like you were just thrown into the X-Files. So tell us about this. How did this happen? Well, I'm still not sure, although
5: um, I guess I'm more sure than I was at the time. I thought it was just sort of a, a happy coincidence that the two girls got put together in the apartment because my daughter needed someone uh... to help her out with uh... the rent and utilities and that because she didn't have too much money of her own and uh... this unusual looking person uh... who turned out to be Rachel uh... appeared almost instantly actually it was within a day or so of uh... my daughters asking for a roommate that could help out and and the roommate looked very unusual uh, but the father who was with her, or the the man who was supposed to be her father, and uh, he just agreed to pay the, the everything that was needed, the half of the rent and all the utilities and so on. Um, and the girls just they hit it off immediately; they got along very well. But and I thought for years and years that that was just some sort of a coincidence that they got together like that. But now I believe that they were uh, put together, this uh, Rachel was placed with my daughter, probably by the government.
3: Because your daughter had diabetes, and she also had a loss of vision, so she didn't see very clearly.
5: No, she didn't, and she needed someone, actually, that could help her with the activities of daily living, such as picking out her clothes, because she couldn't... She couldn't really see the colors that well, and her uh, vision fluctuated so much from time to time, Uh, so she needed somebody that could help her. Um, And yes, she had had childhood diabetes diagnosed at eight years old, and, uh, and her vision went completely after that,
3: two or three So years she really ago, was the perfect roommate for Rachel, oh, who yeah. was rather odd-looking because your daughter wouldn't have been able to see that.
5: No, she couldn't. And uh, if she did, I don't think she would have paid much attention to it, but I'm sure that she didn't see anything but the barest uh, details, you know, that it was a person there. And um, so it was really a good match, and they got along well together. Um, there were these things about... Rachel that my daughter would tell me that Rachel could not eat regular food and <clears throat> excuse me, and uh that she couldn't drink regular water and these things were left outside the apartment door uh just about every two weeks. It would be just before Rachel would run out. And and so um she had been telling me little things like that and that sometimes Rachel picked out outfits that didn't exactly match. Um <laughs> which Mm -hmm. was told to her by her (laughs)
3: friends,
5: and and things like that. Mm -hmm.
3: So they got along well, and Marissa knew that Rachel was a little unusual, but that didn't bother her because you raised a daughter who was so loving and accepting, so even if she had seen what Rachel truly looked like, it sounds like she would have accepted her anyways.
5: I think she would have. I think she would have. Marissa was like that. She was just very accepting of people, no matter what they looked like or what their ethnic background may have been or anything like that. So they did get along really well. But the problem but then, was... Yes, yes, go to the problem. The problem, problem was, it, yeah, when um, I had stopped to see my daughter and I had hoped to probably see Rachel because I knew she should be there at that time of the afternoon. I stopped after my in in the afternoon after my job at uh, an air force base in the area. And and so I had stayed as long as I could and I needed to get home, so I'm standing in the doorway with my daughter. And well, I wish I could have seen, I could have met Rachel. And she just then we heard somebody coming up the stairs. Um, the girls had a second-floor apartment right across the street from uh, the junior college that they both went to. And so I waited a minute, and it was Rachel. And as she rushed back out towards the door with her, the papers that she'd gotten, I could see that she was that she had tripped, uh, and I'm not sure what, uh, on the carpet or something. But anyway, she was going to fall down. And it looked like she was going to fall right straight forward, and she hadn't made any effort to catch herself as we would. Uh, we flailed our arms, you know, to catch yourselves on the chair or something, but she didn't, and so I reached out and grabbed her so she didn't fall right flat on her face, and as I did, uh, her sleeve kind of pushed up on on her arm, and I found myself holding onto her arm, and it did not feel like anything I had ever felt before. It felt, the
3: flesh felt... This one, uh, I can't hear me. Can you hear me? Uh, we can hear you. It's yeah, just you're fine, dear. Yeah, I uh, was okay. going to, to call Becky and try to straighten this out. But please continue. I don't want to interrupt what you're saying.
5: Okay. Um, I, I grabbed onto her forearm, and her sleeve had pushed up. And so I found myself holding onto her forearm, which felt really cool and not at all like uh, human flesh should feel. And and it shouldn't have felt cool anyway, because it was such a hot day. It was very, very hot. And so anyway, um, I, I hug on to her so she wouldn't fall down, but that pulled her around so that we were sort of eyeball to eyeball. And her at that point, her glasses, which were wrap around dark glasses, they had slipped down on her face, and I found myself looking into her eyes, right straight, face to face, looking into her eyes. And I had never seen anything like that before, either.
3: What were, color were her eyes? They were
5: like, uh, they were a light green, like the inside of an avocado, not the, the uh, skin of it, but the inside of an avocado. And the pupils were vertical, black,
3: like a cat's eyes. Oh my goodness. Now, and did you so, did that scare you when you saw, I mean, that's a really unusual sight to see. I mean, somebody's eyes looking almost either cat-like or reptilian. Uh, did it make you stop breathing for a second? <laughs>
5: <laughs> well, I don't know
3: about stop breathing, but
5: I certainly was scared for a few minutes, or a few seconds, I should say. And I couldn't take my eyes off of hers. But as I kept looking into her eyes, I could see that she was really frightened way more than I was. Oh. And uh, so then we broke our gaze. And uh, then she said something like, um, I have to hurry, or something like that. And she spoke differently than we do, too. She, she spoke very um uh, Uh, no inflections on her words it was like I must hurry and uh, so then she went and I sort of stood there for a minute because I was trying to get myself back together I guess Um, and so then and actually my daughter didn't seem to be alarmed over this uh, which seemed afterwards that she should have been a little bit but, but she wasn't So anyway, I went on home, uh, and that was how I first met Rachel.
3: What an incredible experience. So you got to see her up close and personal. You touched her skin, and it was cool, and it didn't feel like human skin. And you look her in the eyes, and you see these unusual cat-like or reptilian eyes. She doesn't talk like a normal person. She has this robotic inflection. Uh, uh, My goodness, My goodness, what in the world did you think after this incredible connection with her? Well,
5: I had already gotten a hint of what I might be going to meet uh, eventually. I had a friend who worked at the Air Force Base there, too. He worked in security. And uh, since I hadn't been able to meet Rachel right away after I heard the stories from my daughter, you know, that she was kind of unusual... I, I contacted this man, because he was high up in civilian security, and I told him what what was going on with me and the daughter. And so he checked it out for me, and he, he found that my suspicions were probably right. He told me where her father, the Colonel Nadine, had uh, come from most recently and where he had acquired Rachel, most probably. And he said, whatever you've been thinking is right, but if you ever ask me again, I will have to say that we've never had this conversation because I'm not supposed to be giving out this information and I'm not supposed to be getting it in the first place. So I wasn't really surprised uh, when I actually saw her It just confirmed what I'd been told, but it still didn't make it any easier to accept, uh, because that was not exactly what I was expecting in a roommate
3: for my daughter. Exactly. And, I mean, were you concerned for Marissa's safety? Were you worried about her after this encounter? No,
5: and I wondered sometimes why I wasn't, but... Actually, they had been roommates for quite a while, well, several weeks, and the only thing that my daughter had ever said about Rachel, except the mismatched outfits, was that they were getting along fine, and they liked each other. She liked Rachel. So I thought, well, nothing's happened yet. Um, Hopefully it's not going to, and I didn't know what else I could do because I didn't have extra money to give her to live by herself and and she needed
3: somebody to help her anyway. So I just sort of let it go. And you had to trust in God, I guess. Uh this is there were there were no other options and like you said, the girls seemed to get along just fine and there hadn't been any problems up to then, so you were willing to uh let this proceed. But you must have spent a few nights awake thinking about it. <laughs> Yes, I did. I I did wonder about it, um, but there was
5: really nothing I could do. I was in such a mess at home with my own life, uh, I couldn't take her back there. Um, It was just a situation that I look back on as kind of crazy. Uh, I didn't know that Rachel might, as far as I knew, Rachel could harm her. Uh, but i didn't think she would since had nothing had happened yet and things seemed to be going along okay and as i said i could not take her back home
3: yeah no I you couldn't get out you of, were... had to get out of there myself right um, so
5: I, I looking back everything was was not as it should have been but it all worked out okay
3: well, thank goodness, and again, as, as you talk about in great detail in your book, and I give you a lot of credit, because it's a hard thing to discuss, and I know PK and I were talking about this at length, that it's so difficult to be in an abusive relationship and feel you have no resources, nowhere to go, and back then, we didn't have the resources we have today for women who are in situations like that, and your husband was just so nasty, my goodness. what No, oh, he what a, was no good. Oh. It was horrible. Well, the thing was, he was first a police officer, and then he transferred
5: to the sheriff's department in that community that we lived in. And so his reaction was, if I wanted to call the police, go ahead. I am the police. Mm -hmm. You know, so it was that sort of an attitude that I was dealing with. So I had to watch my chance and then get out as soon as I could.
4: I was going to ask, do you think you would have made the move the way you did had Rachel not gone forward I mean Marissa had gone forward to make the move that she did by her leaving Uh, it it gave you (laughs) opportunity to rethink the situation and make choices
5: I would have left him as soon as I could it just hastened things along with her leaving when she did
3: Um,
5: I, I I could not live that way any longer
3: Yeah, it sounded like you really had come to the end of your rope long before, but without the resources to move and uh, get away from this guy who was so controlling and so abusive, Uh, you really didn't have any other choices. And thank God you did finally get out. I mean, lots of applause to you, Helen, just for that very one thing. I mean, there's a lot of women who never get out alive, but you did.
5: No, I know they don't. I know they don't. And there was one time when I nearly did kill him because of something that he had done. Uh, But at the last minute, I decided not to do it. (laughs) God works in strange ways, doesn't he? Well, I guess so. I'm not terribly religious, but but something was guiding me there.
3: Yeah, you didn't want that on your hands, but you certainly needed to uh, be free of it. And thank God you found your way to to make that happen. I mean, that's terrific. Now, we've got some questions here from the chat room. Uh, This is from Sky33. She would like to, he or she would like to know, could your daughter sense or feel something different about Rachel? I think she did. I think she did. Uh, But I don't believe that she could quite put her finger
5: on it Uh, because... Rachel spoke so differently. She spoke like a a robot, like like a robot. You know, no inflection, no uh, change in the tone of her voice, and she used no contractions. It's like um, she had never she hadn't spoken English for a very long time. Although she really had, it was. I think that manner of speaking was ingrained in her. I'm not sure that she could, have ever, overcome that.
3: And, well, yeah, and and that you also describe in the book, from the colonel's perspective, Harry, her father, that uh, it was difficult for hybrids to speak because their vocal cords were arranged differently, their mouths were very narrow, so there was a a physical challenge to be able to speak. They were really telepathic beings.
5: Well, and and also, uh, many of them, their noses were kind of flat and uh, almost like two holes there to breathe through, and with us, uh, we use
3: our nose to speak. The the sound comes through that, too, as well as through our mouths. That's true. That's true. So it was a physical challenge that she was taking on, and it, and also just, again, getting inflection. There's so much to speech. And again, being purely telepathic beings, this sounded like it was, even for her, frustrating that she couldn't master this. I think
5: so. I think so. And she had no fund of knowledge, uh, such as an ordinary teenager uh, would have about... Uh, Oh, I don't know, singers or, or bands or movies or anything like that. She seemed to be just unaware, completely unaware.
3: Exactly. Now she also and, had longer arms. You describe in your book that her arms were longer than normal, very spindly and longer.
5: Right, and she her legs were sort of long. It seemed as though her body was shorter in comparison, um, and she was sort of uh, thin. Thin body, thin arms.
3: Um, what and, about her fingers? Now, did she wear gloves? No, I don't think she did. I don't think she did.
5: But the thing was, when during one of my uh, regressions, uh, when I was taken back to that first time that I saw her, met her there in the doorway. Yes. Uh, that. Uh, the regressions took me back to where I could stand off and look at her. And she only had four fingers on each hand.
3: Just four. Now, was she missing a thumb? Is that the one that was missing?
5: Well, sort of, I guess. Uh, I don't remember exactly how that was, but it, they were pretty much... I think she had what passed for a thumb, but it was longer. It was The four fingers were pretty much the same
3: length. On each. Very unusual. Well, again, this does the fit. The, it fits the description, you know, of a lot of things we've heard from people right. who've come forward to say they've met someone like this, but your experience is is profoundly different and much more personal than most of what we've heard. This is really an up-close-and-personal experience. Well, everybody, this is a great, great subject tonight. We have a wonderful guest, Helen. We're going to get Becky back on the air with us to further this conversation and get more deeply into it. And Again, if everybody uh, wants to sign up on our newsletter to keep in touch with us, go to our website, SupernaturalGirlsWithAZ.com. You'll have full instructions there to download apps and anything else that you need for your listening ease. And stay tuned. We are going to take a short break, and we will be right back.
6: Listening to IRN, the Inception Radio Network, Chicago, Illinois.
7: forget what's coming up tonight did you hi inception radio network listeners this is amanda never miss that interview you were looking forward to or the show on your favorite topic follow irn on twitter i underscore r underscore n and get reminders about the evening's live shows as well as fun and important updates throughout the week that's i underscore r underscore n and never miss a great show again
6: hi can you hear my voice Imagine how many other people can hear it, too. If you have advertising needs, then look no further. The Inception Radio Network currently has openings for on-air advertisements and radio show sponsorships. Given any thought to your target demographic, Inception has you covered there, too. Advertising on a network gives you multiple opportunities to advertise on a wide variety of radio show broadcasts, and we have one to fit every advertising need. You know, in recent years, internet radio has exhibited a phenomenal listener growth. An Arbitron Edison survey shows that online radio boosts at least 33 million unique visitors each week and 54 million each month. And that number amazingly continues to grow. And these listeners are a part of many businesses' core demographics. And surveys have shown that Internet radio listeners are far more likely than regular radio listeners to spend money on a whole range of activities. You know, Internet listeners vote. They dine out and eat fast food. And they grab a cup of coffee. And here's the interesting one. They buy items online at a much higher rate than all other market segments combined. Internet radio also enables businesses to connect with consumers during work hours, where increasingly more lifestyle decisions are being made. Advertise with the best. The Inception Radio Network offers competitive advertising rates to fit just about anyone's advertising budget. Stop by today at www.InceptionRadioNetwork.com or call us toll-free at 1-888-919-2355. Get the word out. Get results with the Inception Radio Network. Are you a fan
0: of Inception Radio Network? Do you reckon it's the best alternative talk radio station on the planet? Well, if you do, head to Facebook.com forward slash Inception Radio Network and like the page. Tell your friends, spread the word, and keep listening to the best.
7: Hello, Inception Radio Network listeners. This is Amanda. Remember, you can take your Inception Radio shows on the go. Just download the Inception Radio Network app for your iPhone, iPad, or Android smartphones and access live shows, past shows, guest lineups, and much more. Just visit the iTunes Store or the Google Play Marketplace and download it today for free.
2: Your property tax bill. Have you seen it lately? It's frightening. Your property taxes are going up while your home value is going down. It's time to fight back and win. For the real truth about the property tax system, get Attorney Pat Quintillian's book, Are You Getting Screwed on Your Property Taxes? How to Find Out and How to Fix It. Attorney Quintillian answers all your questions and gives you the facts you need to fight a property tax bill that is spiraling out of control. You'll also read about what happens to property owners who don't check their property records, only to find out too late they're taxed on square footage, fixtures, and even buildings that they don't own. Is this happening to you? Learn your rights. Buy attorney Pat Quintilian's book today. Are you getting screwed on your property taxes? How to find out and how to fix it? Available on Amazon.com
3: Welcome back, everyone, to Supernatural Girls Radio. Again, I am your host, Patricia Baker. I am here with PK and with our very own abductee, special co-host tonight, Becky Andreessen, and our guest, Helen Littrell, who is the author of an amazing and very informational book, Called Rachel's Eyes, we are talking about aliens among us. So welcome back, everyone. You can call in at 888-919-2355. Again, that number is 888-919-2355. And you can join us in our chat room if you prefer to do that. So again, Don't be shy. Join the conversation. It's a great one. So, Helen, again, here you are. Now, we've got Becky back on the air, and I know she is just itching to ask you a million questions. So, it's, again, this amazing story, this amazing experience. Here's your daughter living with a very unusual girl who you don't know yet is a hybrid. But you eventually find out that she is. Yes, I do. Uh, At least
5: pretty sure. Sure pretty sure um she when she came to four corners and the colonel rescued her her care was uh medical care was kind of taken over by a a hybrid or nearly 100 percent alien scientist named chisky who was there at that site at four corners um working in the medical labs uh working with some of our scientists, teaching us uh, different things about cloning and and which wasn't really all that well-known at that time because this was back in the early 70s and 72 and 3. And he determined that she was probably at least uh, two-thirds hybrid. And so he had to uh, come up with a, a special formula that she could eat and uh, liquid that she could drink, which turned out to be then what uh, was provided for her at the, outside of the apartment that the girls lived in about every two weeks, about as she was to run out. So um, it was actually his determination, as well as the colonel's, that he certainly wasn't, uh, she certainly wasn't all from here. Uh, because he he knew this because he rescued her from a craft that had crashed at Four Corners.
3: And she was the only survivor in that crash, right? Right. The other ones, I don't remember now if there was two,
5: I think there were two other ones, but they died on impact. But she was, uh, the only one that was alive, and she really wasn't hurt very much. I think she had a, a big scratch on her arm, but she knew how to heal that herself, stop the bleeding, and uh, and heal it. And so he took her back to the medical facility to have her checked out by Chiskey because he knew Chisky would know what to do. He didn't know exactly what to do himself. He knew she wasn't from here. Um That healing that she used on her arm was something that she showed me how to do, too. Uh, Unless it's an artery that's cut, I know how to do the healing, too. And I found that's a very valuable thing to know.
3: Now, she also had the ability not only to heal herself, but to heal other people, and she gave your daughter a gift can you talk about that yes uh
5: i got a phone call one day at work and uh, from my daughter and she was just beside herself she had gone back to the apartment at noon and expected to find rachel there uh which she usually was because their schedules were different uh and she was walked in and there was no one there and she looked and felt around and her eyesight was not 100% gone at that time, but she couldn't see very well. So she felt and looked around the best she could, and there was none of Rachel's things there. Uh, even the bed was there, and the mattress, and the dresser. Uh, but that was all that was there of Rachel's things.
3: So, so none of her uh, food supplies or her water supplies that were so unusual, none of that was there either? It was all gone?
5: It was all gone. And she couldn't imagine how it was because the things, the jugs of water were like, I don't know how big they were uh, exactly. They were like five-gallon jugs of water. They were really big and heavy. And she was pretty sure Rachel couldn't lift them. So anyway, uh, she looked around and nothing there. And she said that she went around and around and looking for some little clue. And there was nothing until she went back in the bedroom. And there was a note taped to the dresser the mirror on the dresser and she took it down and sat down on the the empty bed and read it and it said um i am sorry to leave you you were my best friend uh, but i have left you a gift it was signed love rachel and then she realized that she had read the note, something that she couldn't normally do uh, without her magnifying glass, and even then it would have been very difficult for her to do it, but she didn't have the magnifying glass then, with her right at that time. And so the gift that Rachel had left her was improved eyesight, and it stayed improved until the day she died. It wasn't 100%, but she could read street signs, and and she could read a lot of things. And so that was the gift that Rachel had given her. So I think that was a pretty big example of healing. And what did you
1: say, excuse me. And and wouldn't you say that they there at Four Corners and other places dealing with um these hybrids and ETs, That uh they have the knowledge and understanding of healing Everything that we've got going on out here, or 90% of everything, yet it's not released, so it can be done to help those?
5: Oh, yes. They had the knowledge, and they were teaching us uh, in Chisky. And sometimes there would be another uh, comrade of his from uh, Zeta Reticuli would come, and they would work with our scientists about different kinds of healing, but, as far as I know, none of those methods came out until just the last few years and this was back in nineteen seventy two and probably going on uh, before that but uh, we we weren't allowed to use those things
1: and you weren't allowed to use them, so they wanted them kept there in secret they didn't want to get them out to the world to uh, you know knock off these doctor bills and these doctors that keep on. Giving us stuff half the time that isn't right for us, right? Oh right,
5: right. Yeah.
1: That's, and that's to what me, I believe. That proves what you say also about emotion. Because they oh, have yeah. to have some kind of loving emotion or not to hold this back and let people suffer out there.
5: And that's exactly what they're doing now. And have it's been doing for a long time there trying are trying to learn of people.
1: emotion, right?
3: Yes. So, yeah. are you saying, Helen, that they're uh, they're holding back those feelings of compassion, and so that allows us to continue to suffer and not receive healing from them? Is that what you're saying? At times, yeah, I At believe times. that. I mean, it's something Becky and I were talking about the other day. We're like, geez, you know, uh, there are cures, there are of treatments, there are. there are all kinds of things that have been withheld. We we firmly believe this, and. It's extremely sad to know that there are other ways of dealing with illness, and there are beings like Rachel, maybe even more advanced than Rachel was, that can not offer right. healing, right. And, and they're not allowed to, or yeah. they choose not to. I don't know which it is. I
1: think well, they're not allowed to. I think because reading your your book, it, it seemed to me that all these ETs, or 90%, 98% of them, are given orders. In other words, they don't have emotion, which is free will. They don't have it. Even in there you were stating something about them not having souls. Well, to have a soul, you have to have a choice, yay or nay. So it seems like they're getting uh, told what to do and not releasing it. So somebody at the top is not showing compassion.
5: And I don't know if it's at the top of their echelon. Right. For the top of ours. Right. Um, Probably there's both, a, lot of a little stuff. of both. Well, right now, I have a son who has hepatitis C, and mm-hmm. there is supposedly a new cure out that's 98% effective, um, and he's under VA care. But the medication is a $1,000 per pill.
1: Yeah, there you and, go.
5: Look at that. And the VA the VA won't give it to him because... Uh, they only give it to those that are on their deathbed. Well, what kind of sense is that? That's right. He's not on his deathbed. He needs that medication. Mm-hmm. And he can't have it. And we don't have the money to spend because I think it is 84 or 85 treatments. Mm-hmm. We don't have that kind of money. Right. Nobody
1: does. Oh, well, why don't but the government? Step forward and do something, even my goodness, look at you, uh, your life going through and dealing with them if you had something wrong, or even Marissa, why didn't they heal it i mean you've you've sacrificed and opened up to work with them, whether you're being told to or free free will work with them. why aren't they helping? i I just cannot imagine that that they would be so cruel not to help.
3: And that's it. You know, there's a very good point in all of this. And Helen, in your book, you talk about the deal that has been made between extraterrestrials and the government. It's something I believe is true because this is what I've said all along. The reason the government doesn't want this to come out, that extraterrestrials, UFOs are real, is because what would also come out is this deal was made which allowed ETs to abduct us, experiment on us, and use us for their own genetic purposes. So just think how people would react to that today. I don't think people would be very happy to hear this, and they shouldn't be, because we've been sold out. We've been sold out.
5: And that is where the big uproar would come with the people, is the fact that the government sold us out. It's not that the ETs are here. That would be way beside the point. The thing is, our government has sold us out is still doing it and has done it over and over and over. I don't know how long it's been going on, really, but I believe it's been way back in the 50s, probably
3: before that. Mm -hmm. Um, Probably back in the 40s, and again, this may be the crux of the matter, so that when we're upset about the fact that they're withholding, the ETs are withholding their own healing ability, the government's withholding their new treatments, etc., but What the bottom line is here, according to what you wrote in your book, and I happen to think you're right, we're just a bunch of lab rats to everybody, both sides of this coin. And that's why they don't care if we're suffering, dying, have cancer, have autoimmune diseases. What do they care? We're just lab rats. We're just all a part of their big genetic experiment. Do they care about us? I don't think so. And that's what you're saying in your book. That's
5: right.
3: That's
1: right. Well, if these ETs, Get off there. E.T. tails went out there and started talking with people and seeing people. I think they they would create an emotion and some compassion. I'm telling you because it just emanates from the human being. So and they absorb it. Different ones absorb it through their skin and even through their eyes. I mean, look at eyes are the doorway to the soul. That's always oh, yeah. been known. So yes, that's we why they understand. communicate.
5: We didn't understand the context of that exactly yes. before. We do. You do, Becky. Yes, and I, I do. do. Mm-hmm. We have looked right into those eyes and, and right. we know. That's we right. We didn't exactly know what we were seeing. I mean, we knew it was not of this world. Right. We didn't know uh, the depths of the meaning of what we were seeing.
1: That's right. And it is great. It is great it is. more people and God bless you, more people need to come out and tell their stories and let people know what is really going on. Because it will do nothing but benefit the earth. I mean, even if they knew this, like the tall dark the taller grays, you know, some people say that um they're good, some say that they're bad. Well let people speak about it so that we really get a good you know, get a good deal here going and find out who do we trust? Who do we know? What are their experiences? And and then do something about it, be able to do something about it. This little group that holds on to everything is really shameful. It's really shameful because if you're, if you're a real, true human with a soul, then you would love your brothers and sisters, your, your humanity, and even others that were created out there.
5: Right. But the thing is, uh, well, it's, not quite changing the subject here, but look at how many years we were not, uh, well, we were afraid to come forward right. and say anything about it, and I'm sure your mom was yes. the same way. I'm not too familiar with her story, I'm sorry mm-hmm. to to say, but but I am, you know, basically, yeah. and I, I'm sure that she didn't uh, start talking to people about it for a while because the people would roll their eyes and
1: think
5: we're crazy. <laughs> no more, though.
1: No more people that truly understanding.
5: But that was me for a long time yeah, because I was I afraid I'd lose my job. Yeah. Well, then how weird that it, that turned out to be. I discovered that, uh, well, this was just before I decided to write the book. You know, I was kind of back and forth whether I would do it or not. And, and I was so did. afraid that that everybody, you know, they would think I was crazy and fire me. Well, come to find out, uh, uh, there was probably at least 75% of the people that worked at that clinic that I was so concerned about, they all believed in the same thing, but they didn't dare say much about it because they were afraid they'd get fired.
1: Well, that's what they did. They did over the years. They installed fear in us and disinformation in us
5: and things like
1: that. So when people come out and they let them know the truth, the more that the truth comes out, the more it cracks that darkness and the light yeah, is right. shining through, and people will see and understand and learn. And it's fantastic, even, even like this, without saying too much, with you and Marissa and Rachel and the colonel, and even some of them at the base. I mean, if people really want to know the truth, it's almost like a family affair, isn't it? It's through the e. DNA, yeah. through the lines. It's through humans here, because they're becoming part of us.
3: Yeah. The question is why? You know, why are they experimenting on us like this? And they're certainly manipulating DNA. They're manipulating people. And what is is the reason? I mean, is it for their sake? Is it for our sake? None of this is clear to me. Do you have any answers on that, Helen? Not really, because any answer we come up with doesn't
5: make any sense. If we say, well... It's to protect us. Will we need the, the knowledge that they could give us to help us uh, and, and not keep it from us? I don't know what, what the answer is.
3: Yeah, it's, it's a very strange, the whole thing is so strange and so filled with, a, a, again, a, lots of fog here. There's not a lot of clarity, and they've done a good job at sending out disinformation, so we don't know what's what. But I think we need a, a, like a, a petition or something, a Facebook page, something that says stop the abductions until we know what's going Why are you abducting us? Why are you taking us? Why are you doing experiments? Why are you having our, our women uh, give birth to your babies and then you take them from these women? There's story after story after story about this. Oh, and yeah. what's the purpose of it? You know, I have to say. That with your story, with Rachel's Eyes, and again, that book is available on Amazon.com. You guys, if you're interested in this subject, you need to read it. It's a great book filled with a lot more information than we're going to be able to get to tonight. But you're the first person to bring this forward in a way that made Rachel so, um, I guess, human to me. I really felt badly for her you know I that she was too. struggling she was trying to to become more human more accepted to speak differently walk differently and and i'm sure she was filled with frustration from what you even saw that she wasn't oh, quite yeah. making the mark no she wasn't
5: and i felt sorry for her and and i liked her i felt some kind of a kinship with her and i I truthfully cannot tell you why I would, except that I may have had a part in her creation. Yes. But, uh, but I felt compassion for her. I guess that would be a good thing, a good mm-hmm. way to describe it. Good emotion. It.
3: Yeah, and it yeah. sounds like she, she had that for your daughter, and that's why she gave her that gift. Yeah. of her sight being returned to her. Now, as Becky yeah. pointed out, she also did not heal her of the diabetes, which was a devastating disease in her life. It, it didn't She didn't change that, but no. she did give her her sight back. And maybe that was the best that she could do
1: at right. that
5: point. Right. I, For I her, don't know. The best
1: Rachel could do, right.
5: Right, but that was a huge, huge improvement in oh, her daughter's yeah. life. Yeah. She never got her sight back. You know, Incredible, thank goodness. Never, never fully cited, but uh, it was to the point where she could finish up her college education and uh, get the job that she was seeking. And uh, she did just fine for a long time, for a long time. And so I do think Rachel did the best that she could. Yes. Yeah. And, and I, I, feel, think- I feel bad. Yes. because of the way that he died and was She and her father both had to be taken out uh, you know i mean not taken out as in killed but uh, taken out of the uh, area to wherever they went and i have no idea where the colonel might be these days even if he's
3: alive i i don't know mm-hmm. now you, you talk order- about Helen, in your book, that Rachel was actually, not only did she die, I mean, she was murdered. Yes, she was. Yes, she was. By our government. Yes, I believe and, and that. And she
1: even made it at first down here. I mean, a lot of the crashes that were spoken of, the colonel first was wondering what was going on, and then realized later, we were shooting
5: them down. So it's amazing Rachel even made it at the very beginning. This is true, and I I realized later, uh, I mean, over the years intervening here, uh, that possibly some of those crashes, or maybe most of them, were a result of interference with their systems uh, by our radar, the radar that they had there at Four Corners. I'm not sure, because probably some of them were shot down, but I do think probably the the radar just more or less innocently uh, interfered. With their yeah, systems, I was thinking.
1: Why couldn't they, you know, like on the Jetsons, the cartoon <laughs> Jetsons, put up a nice <laughs> tall tower and let them land and come down in some kind of elevator thing? I, I mean, could've... you think they would have enough brains to think about that? <laughs> you would think.
5: <laughs> yeah. yeah, but uh, well, I've you know, and what I think it was Patricia was reading about something during the last part there of the of the show. is reading about. Uh, some aliens uh, or hybrids, I guess, uh, yeah. that are here among us. I've yeah. seen them in my own town, and afraid to tell anybody because, and I know they were, because right, they know because the it's consequences. Your. Yeah. Yes, it, but yeah, they it's know still there. that you recognize them.
1: Right. It's still there. That the consequences are still there. It hasn't been rectified yet. So that. You know, people aren't threatened or hurt or all of a sudden come up missing. I understand that totally. And that's what I'm saying. That's the greatest thing that they're using their tool against humanity is fear.
3: I know. And blowing up on it. Yeah, I, here's the thing. How about this? You know, what? I think aliens, extraterrestrials, only the nice ones, should, should come and make contact with us individually. I mean, right. up until this point, it seems like when they make contact with us, then we're the lab rats. But what about instead of going through the military, who is not really friendly to them in all ways, uh, what about coming to us? What about? Imparting knowledge, uh, teaching us telepathy, uh, teaching us how to heal ourselves with our minds the way they can. What about that? How come that's not being done? Everything being filtered through the military and our government is so problematic. Right, because we could pass
5: it forward.
3: Right. That's right. That's right.
5: And for some reason, either the government, well, of course the government does not want that to happen, Mm -hmm. but for some reason maybe... The aliens don't want it That's either, or maybe it's, maybe it's some agreement they have with the government. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Sometimes when I really stop and think about it, <clears throat> I get totally confused over what it could be because mm-hmm. there are so many possibilities, and some of them don't make any sense.
1: That's right, because they even told my mom there's 70 different races coming and going well, here I mean, on Earth. 70 different races, and you verified that with even the word with the colonel saying all the different types that were coming and going. Some he liked, some he didn't like, you know, like that. So, I mean, that even verified what my mom was told long ago.
3: Well... Excuse me. I don't mean to interrupt, but we're going to have to take a break in just a couple of seconds here. But again, I wanted to announce to our audience, if you have a question for Helen Latrell or Becky Andreessen, please go ahead. Call in 888-919-2355. Again, that's 888-919-2355. Helen's book is called Rachel's Eyes, and it is available on Amazon.com. And and also, if you want to reach Helen directly, please, Helen, give us your email address so people can write to you.
5: Okay. And you could, re- you could uh, purchase a signed copy of the book if you email me at bookladyhl at aol.com, and that's H is in Helen. Again, that is book Lady. H L at A O L dot com and I'll respond immediately to
3: you. That's great. And you may have a story out there, anybody in the audience who wants to share their personal story with Helen. Or maybe you know the colonel and you can update Helen on his whereabouts and what he's been doing. Maybe he'll come forward and come on our show sometime. Wouldn't that be wonderful?
1: Oh, that would be awesome.
3: Yes, it it would. It would be great. It would be great. Now we have a We have a lot more to talk about in your book. It's just filled with, again, great information. We've got to talk about the men in black, those strange cars you saw, those Mm -hmm. guys that look like they didn't come from our time. I mean, there's. Yeah, I want to talk about that girl. Yes. We got so much to say here tonight. Oh, my goodness. Mm -hmm. All right. Everybody, stay tuned. We will be right back. We're on Supernatural Girls Radio. Stay tuned, everyone.
6: Listening to IRN, the Inception Radio Network, Chicago, Illinois, Illinois
7: inception radio network listeners this is amanda just a reminder that inception radio network is on twitter follow us at i underscore r underscore n and keep up to date about who's on tonight what interviews they'll be doing who's guest spotting what topics they'll be covering tweet to us tweet about us retweet topics to your friends and most importantly never miss a great show again that's i underscore r underscore n
2: Computer? Is your internet connection down? Don't worry. Use your trusty cell phone or landline and call into our listen line at 401-283-6700 to listen to the Inception Radio Network 24-7. Again, that call-in number is 401-283-6700. For the Inception Radio Network, I am MJ.
7: inception radio network would you like your favorite show to be played again live on air well now the choice is in your hands with IRN's live request portal an easy way to request your favorite show with a simple click IRN's live request portal now gives you exclusive access to all the shows how easy is it simply type a show name or a guest name click request even write a dedication message and that's it try it now simply visit inceptionradionetwork.com click on the live request tab under the show menu now playing your favorite show is just a mouse click away
0: are you a fan of inception radio network do you reckon it's the best alternative talk radio station on the planet Well, if you do, head to facebook.com forward slash Inception Radio Network and like the page. Tell your friends, spread the word, and keep listening to the best. Are you ready for a new experience of freedom and powerful connection? Would you like a positive, effortless change in your life? Then come to CosmicFusion.com, where we offer the most advanced energy clearing and expansion techniques in the world, with a quantum vortex energy to activate your divine blueprint and life's purpose. When your soul leads the way with cosmic fusion and quantum vortex energy, you can break clear of past difficulties and blocks with the power of the source. With Cosmic Fusion, the source energy does the work for you. It's easy and effortless. Listen to our free meditation right from our Cosmic Fusion website, The Cosmic Code Meditation. Sign up for one of our interactive webinars today. Come to Cosmic Fusion, www.kosmicfusion.com to experience an effortless awakening and transformation. Are you ready for an upgrade? Are you ready for a new experience of living in the fifth dimensional magic and powerful connection? Then visit CosmicFusion.com today. CosmicFusion.com
3: Welcome back, everyone, to Supernatural Girls Radio. I am your host, Patricia Baker, and I am here with my co-host... PK and our very special co-host tonight who joins us live from Virginia Becky Andreassen our very own abductee and we have a terrific guest who we've been talking to about some really fascinating Things You all need to know about alien hybrids and aliens among us. Helen Littrell, who is the author of a fascinating book called Rachel's Eyes, which you can buy on Amazon.com. You can also reach Helen directly at bookladyhl at aol.com. If you want to call in and speak with Becky or Helen, call in at 888 919 5-5. Five, five. Oh, my God. What a show tonight. This one, I'm going to be up thinking about this all night, you girls. What do you, what do you think? You're Fabulous going to be up to?
4: Fabulous information. And it's yes, and it's just so
3: much going on all around us, involving us, involving Becky and Becky's family and Helen and Helen's family. But we got to move to the men in black, Helen. What happened with the men in black?
5: Well, one day I was going uh, to visit the girls. Uh, specifically my daughter Um, and I was going up the stairs to their apartment and as I was about halfway up the stairs I saw coming down from the top uh, three men in black and I know that sounds kind of hokey but they were the typical men in black that that we talk about they they just didn't look like they belonged uh, in this time frame Somehow their their complexions were kind of white and tasty looking and kind of fat, full faces. And, but they weren't fat men, but they were, they were dressed all in black and they had black fedoras on, which is not the style even in the 70s. I don't know when they were in style, but it's a long time before that. But they gave no sign that they were going to uh, somebody step aside so that I could continue on up the stairs. They came down three abreast and just stomping on down very deliberately, and they looked at me, but it seemed to me that they sort of looked through me at the same time. It's like I wasn't really there, but at any rate, I knew that they weren't going to move aside for me, so I had to turn sideways and press up against the wall so that they could go by me and oh. I could continue on up. But they were they were not I just didn't feel that they were exactly real. I don't know if they were hybrids or if they were robots or androids or what in the world they were, but they didn't look like real people.
1: And Yeah, I think they I think you're right. They are from long ago. Like I, uh, when we were talking there, I was telling you what I felt about the men in black were when the ETs came here long ago, they didn't probably understand governments and the people and the different things going on until they learned a little bit more and they needed their own soldiers. And I think that is what the men in black are today they're soldiers, delivery boys, soldiers, whatever is needed.
5: Well, they were sort of that delivery boys or or whatever or checkers because they came every two or three weeks to check on Rachel's progress. Mm -hmm. And uh, when they came, um, which she seemed to always know when it would be, but it could be different times of uh, day. It might be in the morning one time, the afternoon the next. Um, Marissa would have to leave. They would tell her. And
1: right there, right there. That sounds like a, a form of a soldier, a command.
5: Right, and I don't know what they did, and she would never tell mm-hmm. um, uh, Marissa exactly what they did. But I, I, I don't know. It was my assumption that possibly they did some uh, uh, m- medical tests on her, or
0: mm-hmm.
5: I, I really don't know. They, the time that I saw them, they were not carrying like any medical kits or. Anything They weren't carrying anything, but they could have had stuff in their pockets,
1: too. Right, under those big black coats. I wouldn't doubt it for one single
3: minute. And you know what I just got as a piece of information I'll share for what it's worth is that they were checking to make sure she hadn't revealed anything to anyone.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, that could and be
3: too. Yeah, because let's think about this. And if you fast forward to the time when Marissa comes back to the apartment and Rachel's gone, and there's no trace of her. That came on the heels of the meeting you guys had with Rachel and her father, where things were revealed.
1: Oh, oh yes. Oh, it's like yeah. an interrogation.
3: Yeah. So they must have uh, felt like uh, that was a line that crossed, that was crossed, and they weren't going to allow that, and then removed the colonel and Rachel, which is too bad, because, again, they had... Rachel had developed a real personal relationship with you and your daughter, especially. And the it sounds like right. that was frowned upon. Right. You're not
5: supposed to be any level of uh, real friendship, because I suppose if that line was crossed, then uh, you might accidentally or not reveal information that you shouldn't. So that's that's
1: not being able to handle or control emotion. In other words, they right, didn't want her to exactly. get too much of that because then she may overflow.
5: Right, and that was that was it. And yet she was mm. supposed to achieve a certain amount of emotion. Right. But I was never sure exactly how much that was. But apparently, you know, she crossed the line. Mm-hmm. And the colonel, too, uh, because he was... He was a friendly person, I and mean, he, he seemed nice to me, you know, interested well, in, in both girls.
3: And he really daughter, had a desire for her to stay with, in the apartment right? with your daughter, oh, yeah. and he was just afraid that now that uh, your daughter knew, Marissa knew that, uh, something of the truth about Rachel, that she wouldn't want her there anymore. But in fact, your daughter was so loving mm-hmm. and so open-hearted that she let Rachel know in no uncertain terms that she was totally welcome there. Right. Oh, yeah. And, oh, and yeah. then she was removed. Right. So, I, you know, they put, her, they put Rachel in an impossible situation. Absolutely. What a surprise mm-hmm. that they did that to her. It's a horrible, horrible thing. She could only fail because the, the parameters were, were not what they should have been. And they forced her into a corner. It, there was no way for her, nowhere for her to turn. How sad for all of us that we missed out on an opportunity with Rachel because of of these restrictions that were placed on her.
1: Mm-hmm. And, even and even I don't these that are out among us now, as you say, and others say, I don't see them coming to people and saying, look, I'm really this, and showing a, a proof of, of it or whatever. It's almost like, you know... Both sides are stopping both sides for doing what they say they want to do,
3: but they're not doing it. That's right. That's mm-hmm. right. And the men in black, it sounds like, are soldiers, Becky, like you said, yeah. that are uh, keeping everybody in line and going and, because uh, they've shown up. I've had people contact me and tell me about their personal stories. In fact, Becky, your mom and and Bob had experiences yeah. with men in black, and they were not Pleasant. So no, these guys no. are, are out to intimidate us and scare us and put us off our game. And, again, the other thing that's weird that i got to bring up, because we talked about this on the break around the, this men in black thing, the black car. Can you talk to us oh, about yeah. that car? There's a picture of yeah. it in your book.
5: Yes, there is. And uh, I was just amazed when I saw this car at a car show. And local car show right in this little town, I couldn't believe it. It, it was exactly the same thing, and it had the funny-looking headlights that stuck so out. So this in the was front. the car
3: the men in black drove up to your daughter's apartment with. Yes. Okay. And
5: I had seen it there before, but uh, trying to think when I did see, it. I saw it there two or three times before. But I didn't see the men in black those times, whether they were visiting someone else in the complex. my god oh, i just I oh. just thought of that, yeah, but it certainly could have been, yeah, but they I put had some clothes, yeah it was it was exactly the same car when I saw the one at the car show, and well, maybe not the identical one but but this one that I saw at the show was uh, the parts had a serial number or date or something. It was a government car, and it was manufactured in the early 30s, 31 or 32. And it was definitely a government car. It was just like brand new, beautiful inside. Of course, the owner maybe had restored that. I don't know. But the engine was original. There was nothing done to it. So... There couldn't have been too many miles on it. But I was talking to the owner about, sort of, about the men in black, not too much detail. But he said uh, that could all have been rebuilt and made to look like it was the original engine.
3: That's true. With all the other parts mm-hmm.
5: in it, too. So I don't know, but that in itself just gave me the chills when I, whenever I would see it.
1: No, oh, I bet it did! Put oh
3: my goodness! Yeah, all of these things. There's it's just not adding up as to what the end game is here, and oh. it feels like we're all pawns. You even found that you may have, as you mentioned, and people will need to get your book, Rachel's Eyes, to get all the details on this. But that you may have had abductions, and oh, yeah. your DNA may have been altered.
5: Oh yeah, I've had abductions. I know. I know that for sure, and I, I do not know, but a friend of mine brought it up to me just within the last week That during the month. One of my last abductions, I had a mark put on the outside of my right lower leg, just above the ankle. It was a square mark, five-eighths of an inch square with little tiny uh, pinpoints marks going um, um, from corner to corner, each, each way, so they were going diagonally, that's the word I was looking for. And it didn't heal and didn't heal, it never hurt, although it was put on with something that felt like a branding iron, it was something electrical, I thought. It took the skin off and just left that red underlying layer there that did not heal for a long time. But this friend of mine said that possibly there was an implant put in there somehow and maybe I was being monitored through that implant. I had not really thought of that before. Oh, I That think could so. be.
1: Yeah, I think so. Uh, people that are involved with the E.T. world and, and the government and things like that, I think they're all implanted, uh, all of them. I mean, how else are we going to keep track of them? I think they're implanted, whether it's the E.T. implant or a government implant. I think anyone involved with this throughout their lives, and and it starts to come out and everything, they want to know what's going on, want to know where you were are, want to know which... E.T.s are being in touch with you, coming or going. Mm-hmm. Or even in dimensions, because it's not only ETs from other worlds, it's dimensions oh, no. that they walk through. You oh, know, yeah. so uh, oh. oh yeah, I think that's keep tabs on. Absolutely, on both sides. And again that brings us
3: that brings us back okay. to being lab rats. I mean we're we're no different than a lab rat with a tracking chip.
1: That's yeah, true. that's true, except for people that Like, if you don't really want it, you should have the free will given to us at birth on this earth to say no and be left alone. But a lot of that, what I've been seeing, isn't happening.
5: I had no choice.
1: Yeah, I I know.
5: I was just taken, and this was done to me, and then I was delivered back into my bed.
1: Yeah, I think, honey, that's because it's been in your DNA through your family line, down past through great-grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins, all the way down. And they never lose track of family lines. They go up to get a human that has all the capabilities or qualities they want, and they go to them, and they're either freely involved or they're not really. They're made against their will involved. And I think it's from that. There's families that have been here since the beginning of time that have been tracked.
4: You mentioned something about the quality or what a person is drawn towards. What makes that person different? What makes that lineage where they keep going back over the same lineage? What do you think draws that?
1: Are you asking me? Yes. Oh, yeah, I think it's because at the, the very beginning, whoever they chose first in our lineage all the way back, they have tampered with the DNA. So when you have children and so on and so on and so on, that DNA is instilled and built in you, and they just update it or they go in after looking at it to see how you've developed through the, the either the person or their family lineage, the the children that are born to them and so on and so on up to today's date. I think that's what's going on. They're either updating or checking what's going on. Have you used it? Does this child have more DNA that we're looking for than this child? And that happens. And I think it's all kept in records and tracked to be involved with the ETs.
5: Well, I hadn't talked about this
3: before uh, mm-hmm. with anyone. Uh, Certainly not publicly Well, this is new, everybody Listen up (laughs) Yep, listen up It's new on Supernatural Girls Go ahead, Helen Oh, about
5: six months ago Or something like that I had a DNA test done By a very, very prestigious person And um, the results finally came back They went to a prestigious lab too. But I finally got the results back, and my DNA is ninety-nine point something. That fraction of that uh, last um, point, um, pure, going back centuries.
3: This is a matrilineal. See, hey. yeah. going back as back as far as this goes. So what you're saying is that you have a matrilineal line that is almost 100% of what? I mean, is it Eastern European, or what is it?
5: It is uh, Northern European.
3: Northern European. That's very interesting. So you don't have a mix. No, no. I have that fraction of a point that's not accounted for, and they
5: decided not to do that. That is
3: unusual, because I know I've I've had my DNA done, and and many of my friends have. And so you're not a Heinz 57. You have almost 100% purity in your genetic lineage. That's really unusual.
1: Yes, well, see, there you go. That shows you something right there also. Yes.
5: you said, Becky.
1: Yes, and then the unknown DNA, even though it's a little percentage, well...
3: It's not unknown to us where
1: it comes from, is it?
3: No, it isn't. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, I and, think we're starting to figure this out here.
5: Mm-hmm. And I was, you know, I had never even considered having my DNA checked because I couldn't afford it. But this was a special deal, and it didn't cost me anything, so I, I went ahead and, and had it done. But
1: that's wonderful. Um, but that will give you—that gives you an answer.
5: It does. It does. It took a while for the answer to sink in. (laughs) I mean, I knew what it was. You know, I understand how these things are. Mm -hmm. But it just, I thought, well,
3: it couldn't be me, but it Mm -hmm. is. It is you. And it explains a lot, doesn't it, about you and Marissa and Rachel and how all this came to be? I mean, it was no coincidence.
5: No, there were no coincidences in this whole story. But I didn't realize it at the time. Right. I don't know why. Um, And, Becky, I don't know if you've been kind of unaware of some of the stuff that happened to you, the the main reason for it, but I certainly was. Mm -hmm. It just took time for me to think, well, it was quite some time before I could say, I'm an an abductee. I couldn't say that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I knew I had been abducted. Well, what else would I be? But an abductee, if you've been taken, you know, but I couldn't say the words.
1: Right, right. Well, it can be traumatizing, especially if you're like, no, no, no. I mean, that that's something that is huge. And, and then you can't tell anybody because they no. disinformed everybody and made people who've had experiences look like they were crazy. I that's mean, right. I bet you half the, in the 1930s and 20s, I bet you half of the, The um, hospitals there where they were put in and mentally disturbed they were not mentally disturbed they were being visited I bet you half of them were that
3: it's quite possible mm
1: -hmm.
5: the family that I lived with threatened to have me committed if I kept on talking about things that I saw when I was a child, yeah. so I, I shut up for a long time. Isn't Unfortunately, that yeah, that
3: happens. That happens oh at God. too many. Okay. Hey, we've got a, a question for you, Helen, from the chat room. I'd like to ask it. It's very interesting. Uh, Neutron has this question for you. I'd like to know if you've ever recollected During an abduction, the appearance of a black box near you, followed by noise, and then an out-of-body experience where you see your body on a table and a clone next to you. That's part one of this. Has that ever happened?
5: I have not had that particular experience. But this friend of mine who thought I might have an implant had a dream or something where he saw me, on an operating table with what probably was a clone standing beside me and doing different procedures.
3: Interesting. Well, and here's the second part of the question. Neutron would like to know, are you RH negative blood type? Uh, You know, I don't remember. I don't think I am.
5: I don't think I am. I am not positive of that. I'm sorry, I can't give a, a definite answer on that.
3: Well, that's okay. Neutron, you sound like you know what you're talking about. So, thank you for writing these questions in. Very interesting questions.
5: Well, I'm curious questions,
4: also is is me. is there a certain blood type that they find more prevalent in those that they, that are considered abductees?
5: Yes, there is, and I'm not sure of that either, but it's pretty prevalent. Probably like
1: 80%. Wow, well, I got to find out my blood type.
5: Hmm. Yeah, I, I yes. need to go check it too. Yeah. Uh, there are an awful lot of us who are abducted that are in the medical profession too. So I used yes, to be a I believe
1: that. I mean, that's a perfect
5: place to be. Well, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, I didn't know that until just recently. But wow. Well, uh, well what I don't.
3: When are we going to be able to really put our foot down about this I mean I'm happy to talk to extraterrestrials anytime they can come visit they can come see me to my face but abductions wiping my memory doing it no that's not okay yeah no. that's
4: that part's a no-no but the yeah. other part hey, I'm all for it too yeah
3: the other part's fine you know I, I we can all have a nice friendly conversation exchange information but I don't want to be treated like a lab rat and You know, there's something about the consciousness raising of that whole concept to say no to being treated like that that I think may be part of our evolution. Maybe it's time that we all, all of us who understand the truth of this phenomenon, really stand up to that. And we can invite Mm -hmm. these extraterrestrials to visit if we want, but to say no to being manipulated, being used, and being experimented on, we're not going to agree to that anymore.
1: Yeah, that's what what they don't they don't understand that because it's an emotion. It's a free will, it's a choice and that is is involved and intertwined in emotion. And they don't seem to understand that. I think that's what's stopping a lot of this.
5: That could very well be, because they don't seem to understand they don't care. If you don't want them to do some procedure on you, they don't care. They just tie you down and do it anyway. Mm
4: -hmm. I don't think it's a question that they don't care. I just think they don't
1: know. Yeah, they don't understand emotion. They're not feeling it.
3: Well, do they understand yes and no? I mean, that's those two simple words. Yes, no. Right,
4: but behind you, yes, depending on who you're talking to.
1: (laughs) Right, right within yes and no, it's an actual emotion. When that's coming out, yes or no, there's an actual uh, vibration of emotion coming out with it, and they don't seem to understand that. That's why they were so intrigued. They even told my parents that and I that. um, They need to understand emotion, and that was long ago we were told that, long ago. And I think that's why that they're not able to step out and go see all the people and deal with that. I mean, you'd have all sorts of emotions. Either, yes, I'd love to see you, or what the heck are you? Get out of here. Becky, I'm so
3: sorry to interrupt, but can you believe this? We are out of time. I feel like we we just got started here. Helen, we may have to have you back on the show. I think you should write another book. You're a fascinating guest, full of great information. You're very brave and we're very sorry for your loss of Marissa she yeah, was definitely. a beautiful daughter thank you. and definitely. Thank you. you know it's, it's, a, it's a terrible loss we know But everybody go buy the book Rachel's Eyes yes. Amazon.com And shoot, shoot Helen an email At bookladyhl at aol.com Becky Andreessen Thank you for joining us tonight thank PK, you. great as always Thank you so much We'll be back next week With another exciting show On Supernatural Girls Radio And until then We will see you On the Blue Highway. Good night, everyone.
5: Good
1: Good night. night,
7: all.
3: Good night.